You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is Jason Wang, the founder of Cypress River Advisors. I'll be speaking with him about how his advisory firm, which is not normally in the business of producing PPE, started the production of face shields at scale in Taiwan during the COVID-19 pandemic. He's called this effort Face Shields for the First Line, and they've donated face shields to healthcare and essential workers. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Felicia. It's, uh, it's cool to be able to be uh, on this podcast with you. Uh, you and I have known each other for a really long time, and um, it's the uh, it's, uh, first time I've actually been interviewed by someone from the Taiwanese-American community as opposed to the financial community. Oh, wow. I'm honored to have that uh, privilege to be the first. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, before we get into the whole thing, of course, I have to ask, what, what's it like being in Taiwan during the coronavirus pandemic? Well, uh, i got to say it's both been a relief and a blessing. Um, so early in the pandemic, um, I was in Japan, Seattle, SF, New York, and D.C. for work all in one trip. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, given our previous experience with SARS and MERS outbreak, you know, we were watching Wuhan really, really carefully. So, you know, as I was, you know, traveling through the States, I was just uh, getting more and more nervous. Um, you know, and here 10 months later, uh, um, my uh, my concerns are unfortunately uh, have come true. I Frankly, it's painful to see what's happening at home. Um, in the U.S., it's 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 just unbelievable, you know. And I know what my friends are going through, in especially in New York City, because they're 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 doctors, they're nurses who you know worry about bringing COVID home, you know, accidentally to their kids and their families. Um, they're also my teammates here at for, at Cypress River who are uh, working from home with their kids, you know, trying to struggle and struggling with the demands of their job homeschooling and being cooped up in a small flat. So I'm pretty grateful, you know, for the science-based thinking um, at all levels of the government here in Taiwan. Um, it's awesome to have like a vice president, you know, uh, Vice President Chen, uh, Chen Jianren, uh, who's an epidemiologist, um, uh, you know, incredible. And he, you know, he went through uh, SARS uh, also with the rest of us. I was in Hong Kong at the time. Um, I think it's even more amazing that the people of Taiwan are working so hard together to keep life as normal as possible. Um, you know, everyone masks up, everyone washes their hands. Uh, there is uh, alcohol stations and you know Purell stations uh, everywhere, um, and everyone's really helpful to each other, um, uh, even on uh, just even to strangers on the street. So, like there was one day, you know, my daughter's mask flew off in the wind. And a whole bunch of people actually scramble to go catch it, you know. You know, they weren't Chinese people aren't aren't afraid of the virus. Chinese people have been, you know, historically speaking, have been through a lot, so they're pretty proactive about dealing with it. They're they don't let fear really drive their thinking. They're pretty practical people. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, and before we get into all this about uh, Cyprus and the um, face shields. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing, like where you grew up or your formative years? Well, like you, I'm a second generation Taiwanese American. My dad 
is a polymer chemist. Um, my mom's a jeweler. Uh, she, mom and dad both taught me what it means to have real grit. Like, you know, when they came, literally when they came to the US, all they had was a suitcase and, you know, maybe 150 bucks in their pockets, right? Uh, between the two of them, right? And uh, they came during the 60s, right? So like many other Taiwanese Americans, uh, Taiwanese uh, who became Americans, um, they came here, uh, came to the US for the American dream. My mom and dad, you know, worked in country clubs and restaurants to help, you know, put themselves through school. Um, most of my time, uh, most of my formative years uh, were in New York. Um, and I love New York because it's really, truly a melting pot of cultures. You know, my favorite thing about New York uh, was the summer festival in Corona Park. Um, you know, I would play in a symphony uh, each each summer there. And uh, it didn't matter whether it was, you know, Queens is in the summer is is a lot like Taiwan. Um, it's just just sweltering. Um, yeah, very humid. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's really really humid. So it was a really good opportunity to meet people from different cultures and listen to their music and um, eat their food. You know, uh, so he gave me the travel bug. Um, I wanted to go see these places, and m maybe it's one of the reasons uh, that led me to become an expat and a management consultant. Um, so how is, so? Can you tell us a little bit about what your career path has been like? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty straightforward. Um, out of out of college, uh, I got into public policy school at Carnegie Mellon, uh, but then uh, I got an offer to become a programmer at the St. Paul companies, and they actually paid me to learn to become a programmer. I I I was a political science economics, uh, you know, double major at at Michigan, so. Um, but they they th they thought that I would become a good programmer, uh, so I'd work during the day uh, and then study to be a programmer at night. Uh, and you know, being a tech geek, fundamentally being a tech geek, I, I like I was like, yeah, I'm deferring grad school. I'm going to go go do do this. And um, yeah, I I worked for the St. Paul uh, in a data center uh, and at their HQ uh, for a while. And then afterwards, I uh, went on to public policy school at uh, at Heinz. Um, and I got an offer to do uh, internship for the to the government consulting practice at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and that's that's one of the reasons why I disappeared for so many years. <laughs> Once you join the firm, it's uh, it's pretty much all consuming. Uh, so eleven years, PwC took me around the world. Um, it uh, led me to kick off a tech and media um, advisory firm uh, in '09. My, my clients are essentially uh, venture capital firms uh, and private equity firms. Um, and, you know, uh, they come to me because they need someone they can trust to uh, deal with their cross-border business. And um, what is it that brought you back to Taiwan? Um, so, long story short, um, it was a confluence of two things. Uh, my mom got cancer. Uh, and literally just the week before I had sold a strategic planning job uh, to a major telecom operator uh, in the region um, and so and uh, and I so I, I came back to see my mom uh, the local office here um, ma made an offer to uh, made an offer uh, for me to you know base myself out here and so I I took it up and um, it led me to do a lot of uh, uh, 
uh, telecom restructuring uh, work uh, in China, um, the rollout of uh, 3G and 4G telecommunications um, across the region. I pretty much worked with every telecom operator and media company in in the region here, um, and and of course my you know U.S. and European counterparts. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a crazy ride. Sounds interesting. So, so then tell me about Cypress River Advisors. Um, what's the nature of what you do? Well, uh, we, I mean, in in the world of corporate advisory, we're the people that make things happen behind the scenes. We provide the market intelligence. Uh, we do the strategic planning, uh, partnership analysis, uh, and the due diligence work. Um, and like any boutique firm, we're you know, senior group of lawyers, engineers, uh, PhDs who have a lot of specialist knowledge in a variety of uh, technologies and um, uh, industry verticals. Uh, in, in plain English, you know, we're the guys that actually do the work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how have you and your business, uh, Cypress River Advisors, been impacted by COVID-19? I'm assuming um, it's because of that that actually galvanized you to start making the face shields. So uh, actually, uh, you know, the reason why we started uh, face shields for the first line um, was because I could, you know, I have friends who are doctors and nurses in in New York City. I I don't know if you know this, but, you know, uh, Taiwanese Americans are a significant portion of the, you know, essential workers, uh, especially in the hospitals in New York City, right? Um, You know, I don't know if you know Ite over at uh, NYU um, and, um, you know, the folks over at Elmhurst. um, You know, talking to them and, and hearing their stories and seeing that the federal government wasn't stepping up uh, to get them what they need, uh, and you can see the state stru- struggling, um, you know, uh, something had to be done. And I happened to be at at at, at the time, uh, you know, in Taipei. Um, I just had my uh, just had my daughter, um, and you know, there's a. Uh, there's a major shortage of uh, plastics. Well, the h- home of plastics in globally is Japan, <laughs> Korea, uh, Taiwan. Um, so, you know, uh, we actually started making uh, intubation shields uh, first uh, and then sending those over. Uh, there were foldable intubation shields and we send them to, um, you know, uh, ERs uh, in, in the US. Uh, but we realized, quickly realized that this was going to get out of control and we need to focus on uh, PPEs um, because if we can prevent people from getting into the hospital, then, you know, we've actually done really done a good thing. Um, and so uh, I started uh, talking around, uh, talking, uh, I started talking with my friends uh, here in industry to see uh, if there were f- factories that would be willing to provide production space uh, to make uh, face shields, um, the you know face masks at that time uh, were nationalized here in in Taiwan, um, so uh, they were being rationed, which was a, a brilliant move on part of the Taiwan government. So everyone 
had a mask. Um, like you didn't have to worry about having a mask at all, um, but you couldn't export them to the uh, U.S. Um, you know, actually, in, in, a, in a few months later, the Taiwan government started donating millions of masks to to every state in the U.S., which is again incredible. I, and I, I'm pretty happy that I was a a, a part of that process. Um, um, but uh, face shields to protect eyes uh, uh, and your face from you know uh, spray. Um, uh, need to be produced, uh, and so I talked to my friends uh, here in industry, uh, and we found a factory uh, in uh, Taizong uh, who could help produce these face shields, and and so we had to design something that was that could be shipped flat uh, and could be made, you know, incredibly uh, incredibly fast and and easy. Um, and uh, I worked with an engineer. Uh, engineering group uh, in uh, in the Bay Area, uh, and we came up with a design, and I sourced the materials, and then uh, we we actually you know started packing them. You know, my team here in, in Taipei, we actually started packing them. Um, you know, after work every day. Uh, so yeah, we <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, we these would all be produced in in Taizong and then a bunch of aunties uh, from a bra factory would cut uh, 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 elastic elastic tape um, and then uh, then they would send ship everything up to us in Taipei and then after work each day we would you know box everything and uh, and then send them off to the US um, you know by you know, uh, two hundred to uh, a thousand, a thousand at a time, and it, it's it's crazy because um, the cost of producing uh, a, a face shield uh, is is cheaper than the shipping. Like, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, Elmhurst was in in really bad straits, and and so we sent like three thousand in one go, and uh, and FedEx charged us like you know like. You know, like two grand. <laughs> so, um, so largely the the budget that we uh, we have for uh, f- uh, face shields uh, for the first line is allocated towards shipping, um, and we're trying to figure out ways to reduce the the cost of shipping. Um, and now that we have Taiwanese Americans that are actually traveling back and forth uh, between Taiwan and the U.S. Um, Fairly regularly, um, even with the you know the two-week quarantine, um, it, it's it's helped a lot. You said that there were some aunties from the bra factory. Like was that elastic from the bra factory? Yeah. So the, you know the strap on on the um, on the face shield that's actually from a, from a bra factory, uh, and uh, the the polypropylene that we use to make the uh, face shields. Uh, is actually this uh, is a is a custom formulation of the same kind that you use uh, to make um, uh, you know those file folders organizers oh. those plastic file folder organizers yeah. that's exactly oh. that's exactly the same thing we just uh, put in uh, uh, additional chemicals to make it uh, stiff and uh, stiff enough that it has shape but soft enough that uh, it doesn't irritate your skin um, and so it's a lot lighter. Uh, than uh, sending acrylic face shields, uh, like if you, you go to if you go to the ERs and you go um, uh, to like you know 
any factory worker, they have those heavy, heavy acrylic panels. That's actually not, it's not very practical if you want to turn it into a PPE for the average person or e- even for the ER. So they're lighter, but, they, are they, but they're pretty durable still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're intended for a, a single use. Oh. So okay. you know, once you're once you're done with your shift, you uh, you know you, you put into the incinerator. Mm-hmm. So okay, I see. Now you would treat it like you would any other uh, uh, disposable right. at a at a hospital. Right. So you mentioned that you're also involved with the mask donation effort. Like when Taiwan had a surplus of masks, they started donating um, to other countries and around the world. Um, what was your involvement with that? Um, so, uh, you know, in the process of uh, sending out face shields, we would identify community groups um, in in various states in, in the U.S. Um, and so uh, we would... Uh, past those, uh, you know, whether it's a nursing home, um, it's a community group, uh, we would pass those on to, uh, to the Taiwan government. Um, or, you know, we worked with many of the state representatives uh, uh, through the work that we do anyways. Um, and uh, we would pass those on to uh, the Taiwanese government. The, you know, the, Taiwan has a TECRO office in just about every state. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're happy to happy to be able to contribute in that way, and it, it's amazing to see what the Taiwan government has uh, has done to help uh, you know my fellow Americans. Tell me a little bit more about face shields for the first line. How did you decide to focus on making face shields, and what would you say is the mission or purpose of the organization? So. To be honest, I don't. I don't have a long-term vision for face shields for the first line. I, you know, when we first, you know, started talking about this, you know, this, the second month of this pandemic, right? I, I thought, okay, you know, we're we're gonna do this for, uh, we're gonna do this for a couple weeks, and, um, you know, the federal government will come to its senses and you know, put out a mask mandate <laughs> and, and, you know, um, you know, my, my firm, we, we do a lot of data tracking, right? Uh, if you go to our, our website, you'd see that we, you know, we're tracking um, uh, globally the, the pandemic. It's frightening to see uh, how fast COVID is, is growing. Uh, if you, if you look at the, uh, our graphs on, on the website, you can see that we're adding a, uh, a million uh, COVID in- infected patients every couple days. It's that's that's madness. Um, mm-hmm. It so I I don't want to have a long term vision for facials for first line. I I want this to be as over as quickly as possible. Um, right. You know this is this is it's just not right. When when my my friends are afraid of going home after work. Uh, because they're working in the hospital or uh, they're a bus driver, right? Um, that's that's just wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. I understand that when you started um, face shields f- for the first line, you actually first started with the intubation shield um, and then you went on to the face shield. So can you talk a little bit about how that happened? Yeah, so how this all started was, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, uh, uh, we realized that, uh, you know, the ERs would need 
uh, something to uh, minimize spray during intubation. Um, you know, it's being intubated is not a comfortable thing, um, and invariably um, uh, that discomfort will would um, uh, would result in in spray. Uh, and so uh, we built intubation shields uh, based on a Taiwanese doctor's uh, design, uh, uh, and he he had open sourced it. Um, and so based on that, we made some modifications to make it easier uh, for doctors uh, who are holding, you know, uh, implements. And uh, we built them for uh, ITE um, at NYU. And uh, then we started mass producing them and sending them off to uh, various hospitals. Um, and just going through that, that process, I realized, wow, uh, you know, if this thing gets a lot worse, then we need to start build, building something that's you know we start need, we need to start making PPEs essentially um, and you know we're an advisory firm we don't know anything about um, about PPE so um, you know the first thing I did was talk to my friends who were doctors and um, ask ask them what do they need and they said well you know uh, you know you can't produce face masks um, uh, because you know you're not NIOSH certified but you can produce face shields and and we so we produce face shields under the you know uh, uh, under the FDA's uh, emergency authorization act it's just incredible like you said that's not what you do and that yet you decide to go there and try and do something so here, here's a cool thing about Taiwan there are an incredible number of engineers here right uh, and uh, Engineering is just math, right? So, um, just uh, if you take the time to understand the requirements uh, and the needs, and all you need to do is find an engineer, find a factory, and voila, it's it's done in weeks. Facials for the first line came together in two weeks. Uh, first, it was a f uh, the first call was uh, to my friend who's a doctor at NYU. Uh, the second call was to a friend of mine who, uh, who makes bicycles here in Taiwan. Uh, and um, they helped me identify a factory that I could work with to uh, produce the facials. I knew I needed to make something uh, flat, uh, could sh uh, ship flat. Uh, I needed someone to produce elastic, and I need needed someone that could uh, do a die cut for me. Uh, and two phone calls, that was it. Uh, we went through a contracting pr uh, process with the uh, with the factory. The factory agreed not to make an economic profit on this, just to do this at cost, because they um, they, did, they wanted to do this to help, right? Uh, they they custom mixed uh, polypropylene for me to make it uh, clear and stiff enough that uh, we could uh, turn them into face shields. And then by week three, we had a uh, week. Four. Week four, we actually had output, and 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 first thing we did was ship to New York. So That's impressive. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing what you can do here in Taiwan. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, just about everything you use, like your iPhone, your your Xbox, you know, those are all you know engineered. Yeah. They may have been designed in California yeah. or in Redmond, but they're actually engineered here in Taiwan and. Um, they come to life here. Yeah. 
I'm not surprised. Could you talk about what it was like to see the first face shield that was made? I'm sure it's really rewarding to see something you've been involved in designing come to life and actually become a tangible physical thing that you know will benefit other people. I think one of the great things about um, great things about the experience is uh, this is the first time for me to actually uh, produce a non-mobile product. So, you know, uh, the, you know, the bulk of uh, the work that I do is in uh, satcoms and uh, mobility. Um, so, you know, uh, it's all electronics. But this is, you know, this is a very basic, uh, basic you know, hardware, uh, hardware product, if, if you can call it that. Um, and so uh, it was, it was interesting to learn the limitations of, uh, uh, of how to do die cutting. Uh, it was really interesting to learn the chemistry behind uh, customizing polypropylene. Um, so there's a thing called design for manufacturing, and that's where the practical aspects and the limitations of what your, uh, of the, of your supply chain uh, come into play. Um, and for me being a novice to this, I was very grateful to the factory uh, uh, to teach me what those limitations are and then actually go through the process of showing me um, uh, how, how their experience can make a better product. Uh, and so just the tabs on, uh, so this is a, our face shields are origami, right? So you fold it together to give it structure. Uh, so it's a flexible piece of polypropylene, but then you can fold it together and then suddenly it becomes a stiff uh, shield that curves around your head. Um, and so I'm getting a lesson on how to make origami out of plastic. Uh, and and that's, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and that's, that's just experience um, uh, that you, you, can't, you can't get unless you, know, you actually do this for, for a living. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm very grateful to the factory here in Taiwan. That's pretty cool. We'll include a link to a video on TalkingTaiwan.com to show what the origami face shield looks like. Literally, it just it's it's a piece of plastic uh, that literally comes out in sheets. Uh, we uh, stamp it, uh, stamp the shield out of that. Uh, the waste material for that goes back to make. You can just remelt and then make another sheet. So there's literally zero waste. Wow. Um, uh, and then um, you know once the uh, once the sheet is, is stamped, they're stacked. Uh, and then all you do is just uh, uh, pull it off the stack, and then uh, you you fold uh, you fold it, and then you insert these t uh, two tabs. That's it. Voila, it's done. It's wow. you've, you've got a structure that stands by itself. And then you take a bra strap and you know yeah. you tie it to the ends, and then you adjust <laughs> it around your head. So yeah. That's cool. That's funny because we had another podcast where there is a group of people called the Anti-Sewing Squad and they're sewing face masks for people. So now we have the Bra Anti-Squad anti helping out uh, face shields for the first line. <laughs> How would you say your professional or personal experience have prepared you for the work that you're doing now with face shields for the first line? Um, so... You know, in in management consulting and spe specifically in strategic advisory, um, the number one lesson is has been uh, is to over communicate, um, and so uh, that experience um, in the boardroom is very very uh, important on the on the manufacturing side because the more the engineers, the better the engineers understand what you're trying to do. Um, 
the better the product that, that comes out. Um, and you can you can deal with uh, supply chain issues uh, as you go. Um, so uh, that's been that's been pretty uh, pretty helpful. Not a very sexy answer, but you know, <laughs> that, that's just that's just that's just pure you know uh, uh, work reality. Sure, sure. Uh, what's been the most challenging thing with the face shields for the first line? The the number one challenge in in facials for the first line is shipping um it's expensive to ship it's cost more to ship than it does to make uh face shields um and so it's our desire to find a single uh provider for a region to do the distribution to all the different groups that are uh that that need it um and so in in new york we you know we've been very lucky that uh they, we've had a number of individuals that we know and we trust, uh, you know, receive uh, receive these shields, and then they distribute to uh, you know the nursing homes and uh, you know grocery store workers. Um, I don't know if you know Sandy Monroe, uh, the 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 crazy engineer in yeah. So uh, Sandy is a is a is an industry legend on on the uh, auto manufacturing side. Um, I went to Michigan, so you. You, you don't it's impossible not to know uh, who Sandy is Sandy actually volunteered to take uh, the face shields that we gave and he actually went uh, to supermarkets you know wow. in, in in Detroit uh, and delivered them to uh, supermarket workers wow. yeah so uh, facials for first line isn't just for uh, physicians it's also for uh, you know grocery store workers bus drivers you, you, if you need them then um, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to send them to you. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's shipping is, is extremely expensive. Um, yeah. And we're, that's something that we're trying to deal with. Mm-hmm. And what's been the most rewarding thing, uh, with face shields for the first line? The most rewarding thing. I, I don't know whether I could say that it's been rewarding. Like, uh, you, you look at the pandemic you see how, how you look at the how the pandemic is evolving in the U.S. Um, we're we're st- struggling to produce face shields to meet the demand, um, but you don't see you don't see science-based thinking driving behavioral change um, at home. Um, and so, um, I know we're making a difference to the people that we've given shields to, um, but the threat of the pandemic continues to exist, and it shouldn't. So I, I can't say that I feel rewarded uh, at all from this experience. I, I can f- feel that I have a sense of um, perhaps anxiety from this. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's just a weird situation to be in. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you were thinking should be uh, long term. It's something that you thought would be something to help in the interim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what places worldwide have um benefited from face shields for the first line? Like, where have you um donated these so, face shields? So we've. Sh- 
So we've sent uh, face shields uh, to the U.S. Uh, you know, New York, Michigan, Connecticut, California, um, uh, and a couple other states. Um, so in addition to uh, shipping to the uh, to community groups and uh, and hospitals in the U.S., um, we've also provided uh, face shields to uh, hospitals in uh, Japan. Um, and uh, Japan is a sort of a surprising. Uh, surprising place they they unfortunately did not close their borders uh fast enough um to stop the pandemic um from reaching their shores um and you know the population of japan is is fundamentally older um than even the u.s or or taiwan and so they're you know they truly are struggling with this um and we're we're just happy that we're able to you know, be so close, you know, we're like an hour flight away, half an hour flight away, uh, we can get uh, face shields uh, to uh, hospitals there. And we have uh, trusted partners there that can uh, make sure that we can get those shields uh, to the right people. Great. So how do you how do you do this all, Jason? How do you manage all this Cypress River face shields for the first line and time for your family? You don't. I mean, sacrifices have to be made, but this is a this is an important lesson for my daughter. Um, you know, I, I have a newborn, and um, you know, years later, years from now, she may hear this interview, um, or at least she'll hear the stories from you know from her uncles and aunties like you, right? Um, and I hope that she understands the. The sacrifices that were made to keep her safe. Um, you know, it's it's not just about keeping us safe, but we have to we have to also think about uh, others. Um, we have to think about our community. Uh, we have to think about of our our countrymen. Um, whether we're our countrymen are Taiwanese or or American. Um, you know the world is a very very small place. You know, you can you can be anywhere around the world in in under ten hours, um, and so it's even more important today that we can show to our fellow citizens of this planet that uh, we can always be counted to stand up for them. Um, yeah, and I mean, with what's happened with this pandemic, we can see, like, you know, how uh, how small a world it is um, with thing when things like this happen. And nobody is yeah. immune. Um, so, how has fatherhood changed your outlook on life? Uh, when my daughter was born, I realized, oh man, my life is over. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> it's not. It's no longer about me. Uh, uh, I was uh, when I held when I first held her in my arms uh, I realized the kind of sacrifices that my I, mean, I always knew the kind of sign of sacrifices that my parents made for my brother and I uh, for our, our life in the US um, but uh, it hit me really really hard uh, because I realized that those same sacrifices that they made, uh, I would need to make as well for her, 
uh, if not more, given the current state of the world. Um, and that's that's very sobering. Um, it's very, very sobering. Um, yeah. Sorry, it's not a very uppy kind of thing, but it's just, no, no. just simply the truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else that you would like to share about what you're doing with facials for the first line that we haven't talked about? Or? So uh, we're going to be translate, uh, transitioning facials for the first line to uh, face masks <laughs> uh, for the first line um, in the coming weeks. Uh, we are in the process of uh, getting FDA clearance and NIOSH certification for uh, face masks um, that have a, a coating uh, that is uh, antibacterial and antiviral. Um, so um, it's it's easier to maintain. You know, you don't have to use as you don't have to use as many, uh, and we're we're currently going through that testing process now, um, and I'm hoping that you know uh, that once we're done with testing, the pandemic would have already disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, um, one, like I said, one of the great things about uh, about my job and um, uh, being here in Taiwan right now is that there's a lot of engineers and doctors that I can work with. Um, to get us ready for the next pandemic, I, I'd be, I, I would be, again, I'd be happy that this pandemic be over even after I get FDA yeah. uh, certification, because um, uh, you know something like this is it will happen again, um, and we just need to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So just, these face masks uh, are reusable then. Uh, these would be reusable, uh, reusable face masks. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very conscious. Uh, you know, the great thing about uh, the polypropylene is that we get we have zero waste, but we do produce plastic. Um, so I'm I've been uh, working with uh, another uh, 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 manufacturer to produce uh, uh, nonwoven face masks that uh, are that we reuse. Uh, the great thing about uh, working here and uh, working with engineers here in Taiwan is that uh, we're able to find different ways of producing less plastic um, and less waste uh, which is a thing that I'm, I'm, I'm quite insistent about um, you know poly polypropylene is great in our manufacturing process there is no waste the, all the chips and um, waste material actually goes back and gets used to make more masks uh, sorry more shields um, with the face masks, uh, we're hoping that uh, they, the coatings that we're uh, putting on there uh, will pass you know, FDA clearance so that uh, uh, they're antibacterial and antiviral. Um, and we can use them for the next, uh, next pandemic or next outbreak. So these um, face masks can be reused like several times or they can, be, can they be laundered? Or what's the difference since you mentioned that they're antibacterial? Yeah, anti, uh, the idea is to have them antibacterial and antiviral. Uh, yeah, and the, the idea is that uh, they can be uh, used for a longer period. So you know, um, you know, if you will have an outside uh, outside layer that you could wash and launder, uh, and then the inside, uh, the non-woven insert uh, will have a coating on there that's antibacterial and antiviral, um, and. Uh, you can use that uh, for a, a little bit longer than you would for, a let's say, for a regular, you know, face mask or face shield. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, surgical mask. 
Sounds good. So how can people learn more about what you do? I suppose they can go to your Facebook page and Spot Fund and look for um, Face Shields for the First Line. People can go to our Facebook page uh, and then also to donate at Spot Fund. Um, we are not, I just want to point out that we're not a 501c3, but all the funds that are donated are, will be used to produce and distribute shields. And when we are ready to produce uh, face masks, um, then uh, we will you know, let everyone know. Um, and we're, we're a couple, couple weeks, more, well, we're a couple months uh, away from that right now. And I'm like I said, I'm hoping that this whole pandemic st- uh, will be over by then. It's not likely, but I I, I, I do hope. Yeah, yeah, because it's not something that you um, wish that you have to continue uh, doing this work for. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to um, tell us about um, the work that you're doing to, you know, do your part to help out with the coronavirus and uh, face shields for the first line. Hey, thank you for the opportunity to share this. And, and really, it's, it's been fun to, to chat with you here on the podcast. I've been speaking with Jason Wang, the founder of Cypress River Advisors, about how his advisory firm got into the business of producing PPE, more specifically, face shields. The Face Shields for the First Line donates face shields to healthcare and essential workers. To learn more about them, visit their Facebook page, or to make a donation, go to Spot Fund. For any links related to items mentioned in this episode, please visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.